right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here. This is Bloodlines, your folk radio. Today is uh, August 21st, 2022, and we're going to be doing a second in a series of uh, explaining the uh, scamdemic slash pandemic that the uh, international Jew has foisted upon the world with a pandemic scamdemic of fear and uh, false information and jabs, right? They, they've created an atmosphere of fear saying that you have to get jabbed in order to be safe, right? And we know the exact opposite is true here at Eurofolk Radio and many other patriotic websites and true scientific websites around the world. So today we're going to, and by the way, Michael is still in uh, in the backwoods of Sweden hunting deer. Uh, we'll see if he catches anything and sends us some venison. <laughs> that would be nice. But let's go for it. We're going to be talking about various scams of the pandemic and the vaccine industry, the allopathic medicine, medical mafia of the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, and the scamdemic of fear they have foisted on planet Earth. That's what this is all about. So I'm going to start with this article here. I'll share it with the people in the chat room real quick about Freedom of Information Acts that have gone around the world. It's called, the website is called the Fluoride Free Peel. <laughs> Not sure what that all that's supposed to mean, a fluoride-free peel. We want to definitely have a fluoride-free world, right? But we know, and I, I remember very well in the 1950s when the, because my parents and just about everybody I knew in the neighborhood in uh, the north near north side of Chicago, a couple of miles, three miles maybe from North Avenue Beach, that uh, just about everybody was pro-McCarthy, they love Joe McCarthy, and uh, including the John Birch Society and other, you know, anti-communist uh, groups. Uh, the the country was still full of anti-communist groups, but uh, people didn't realize that the Jews were behind communism, so it was impossible for people to understand that. And it, it appears that even Joe McCarthy didn't understand that either. But the John Birch Society was the first to spill the beans on fluoride being a poison, and it was an after effect of uh, the aluminum processing industry. And so in order to avoid having to pay money to dispose of this fluoride, the Rockefellers decided, okay, well, let's just pretend that it's good for cavities or good for preventing cavities and put it in a toothpaste. That way... We can sell the stuff instead of having to pay to get rid of it, okay? That was the origin of the so-called fluoride toothpaste scam, right? But, of course, the mass media being owned by Jews uh, roundly and soundly condemned the John Birch Society, called them conspiracy theorists, and, you know, of course, the, the left wing sounded there. Uh, chimed in as well, said, oh, this is a right-wing conspiracy theory. Don't believe it. And guess what? They were right. Yes. <laughs> and Brother Aber says, it's even in ketchup. It's everywhere. Yeah, they, they have to sell it to us so they, can't, so they don't have to pay for the disposal fee. 
That's what the fluoride scam is all about. It always has been. And studies have shown that uh, those communities who have fluoridated water do not have any improvement whatsoever in cavities versus the communities that don't have fluoridated water. So it proves it's, it's a, a scientific scam. Yet another scientific scam. Is there any real science going on in the world anywhere? Actually, I don't think so. If there is, it's only by independent labs and independent researchers. Certainly not anything funded by Big Pharma and allopathic, uh, the allopathic medicine scam, which is nothing but a mafia, medical mafia of the under the Rothschilds. So what we're going to talk about right here is freedom of information appeals or filings reveal that health-slash-science institutions around the world, 203 and counting, have no record of SARS-CoV-2 isolation-slash-purification anywhere ever. Okay? Nevertheless, the mass media... And the medical mafia have been telling us that, oh, they have isolated the virus. And have and that, that's why their PCR test, uh, when, when it tests positive, it's recognizing this particular virus or the genome of the virus. And all these people, so 203 filings around the world have come up empty with the various government organizations admitting that we have not any information about this isolated virus or whatever it is, uh, pathogen. Okay, so uh, l- let's get into this here. I now have a free Substack newsletter where I post the latest FOI responses. It's Christine Massey, FOIS.substack.com. And she says, would a sane person mix a patient sample containing various sources of genetic material and never proven to contain any alleged virus with transfected monkey kidney cells? (laughs) Oh, monkeypox. Isn't that the latest scam we're expected to believe? Monkeypox? Fetal bovine serum and toxic drugs then claim that the resulting concoction is SARS-CoV-2 isolate. No, that's what they're injecting into your body. That's the Gates jab. And ship it off internationally for use in critical research, including vaccine and test development? What? No, but these people aren't sane. They're degenerate Jews. They're the fallen angel people. Because that's the sort of fraudulent monkey business that's been passed off as a virus isolation by research teams around the world. Just one of many examples is shown below. This is from a study cited by Australian Department of Health as a paper, quote, which led to the isolation of SARS-CoV-2 in culture, unquote. Can you spot the oxymoron in that quote? Well, oxymoron is a self-contradiction, uh, well, uh, they claim, well, okay, in culture, what, what culture? If, uh, if it's isolated, it has to be, it can't be in culture. I think that's what the uh, self-contradiction is supposed to be, but let's go on. 2.1 cell culture of SARS-CoV-2 and electron microscopy, wait, hold on. microscopy, yeah, that's right. 
Vero slash H slam cells, African green monkey kidney cells transfected to express the human signaling lymphocytic activation molecule, that's S-L-A-M, also known as, uh, I'm not going to bother with these technical details here, were grown at 37 degrees Celsius, uh, this is around, I guess, around 90 degrees, 5% 5% CO2 in maintenance media consisting of 10 milliliters. Earl's minimum essential medium, MM. 7% fetal bovine serum. Bovogen biologicals, Kylar East, L-glutamine, etc., etc. And uh, 4.4 milligrams slash milliliters geneticin to 95% confluency. So prior to use for isolation... So you have this genetic soup here, genetic and chemical soup, that uh, they're going to isolate the uh, PCR pathogen from? Is that is that what we're expected to believe here? Prior to use for isolation, maintenance media was removed from the flask and 500 uh, milliliters uh, or microliters, I think, a respiratory swab inoculum was overlaid on the cell monolayer. What the hell is respiratory swab inoculum? It's just they're adding more gunk to the mix. The flask was returned to the 37-degree incubator to allow the virus to adsorb for one hour before addition of 10 milliliters of viral culture medium. So they're adding more and more junk to the supposed isolate. As above, but FBS reduced to 2%. Flasks were monitored for viral cytopathic effect and 140 microliters aliquots of supernatant removed every 48 hours to assess virus burden, blah, blah, blah. First passage culture-grown virus isolate was subsequently shipped nationally and internationally with packaging compliance. So blah, blah, blah. It shows, I mean, anybody who can read this says this is not an isolate. This is a concoction of all kinds of stuff mixed together and they have not identified they have not identified the genome which is what needs to be done the genome of the virus where is there any evidence that they have isolated this genome or sequenced it and published it there's none absolutely none so this is crazy folks so anyway, if you're in, new to the topic of virus isolation slash purification, I strongly recommend you begin by reading the statement on virus isolation by Dr. Andrew Kaufman, Dr. Thomas Cohen, and Sally Fallon Morell. I, I think we'll go there next. Or watch this video from Dr. Cohen. Anyway, my colleague Michael S. in New Zealand and I and many other people around the world have been submitting freedom of information requests to institutions in various countries, seeking records that describe the isolation slash purification of the alleged COVID-19 virus from any unadulterated sample taken from an, a, a diseased patient. Man, but hey, that's, that's just too much work. It's too much work to get the the purified, <laughs> isolated genome of the virus, so-called. You expect us to do that kind of work? No, we're in the business of selling disease, not making people healthy, right? Yeah, no, mon- no, no monkeying around here, right? 
no monkeying around at all. Okay, this is uh, this is it's almost hilarious, folks. How these so-called scientists can be selling this putrid concoction of every imaginable disease-ridden organism under the sun and claim it's an isolated virus. It's absolutely amazing. And then they inject this stuff into healthy bodies. No wonder so many people are dying from the jab. So let's continue. The reason, without the crucial step of isolation slash purification having been performed for many patients, followed by characterization, sequencing, and controlled experiments, there is no way to claim scientifically that the alleged novel coronavirus, blamed for widespread death, disease, lockdown measures, actually exists. Without this step having been performed and followed by characterization, sequencing, and control experiments, sequencing means identifying the genetic code of the organism. That's what sequencing refers to. And there was, early on in 2020, submitted to the public a sequence. We did a couple of reports on that in early 2020. But it was discovered that that sequence was actually very common to all biological organisms on the planet. So it wasn't isolating a virus at all. It was actually isolating a sequence common to all biological entities on the planet, at least least, uh, mammals and and probably lower order uh, species as well. I don't know about bugs, crickets and stuff but uh, certainly a very common genome sequence from all uh, living mammals. So so that was sheer fraud. And they still haven't isolated a sequence belonging to some kind of bug. They simply have not done so. So let's continue. Uh, Without this step having been performed and followed by characterization, sequencing, and controlled experiments, All claims of this alleged virus, and the article uses the word virus in quotations throughout, are nothing but wild speculation backed only by fraudulent science, fraudulent tests, and fraud-based diagnoses. Yeah, and they make big bucks, $100,000 per patient admitted into an American hospital under Fauci's rules. The request submitted by my colleague in New Zealand and I and many other submitters have not been limited to records of isolation performed by the respective institution or limited to records authored by the respective institution. Rather, they were open to any records describing the COVID-19 virus, a.k.a. SARS-CoV-2, isolation slash purification performed by anyone ever anywhere on the planet. So there's a long list of places that these Requests have been submitted to, a very long paragraph, I won't bother to read that, I'll put uh, post this in the, in the summary of this show when we load it up onto your folk radio. Uh, so skipping that paragraph, every institution has failed to provide or cite even one record describing the isolation, aka purification, of the alleged COVID-19 virus directly from a patient sample that was not first adulterated with other sources of genetic material. Those other sources are typically monkey kidney, a.k.a. varro cells, and fetal bovine serum, and all kinds of other junk. But even disregarding uh, 
the source. They have not provided any sequence, period, at all, of any kind. Except that fake one that I just talked about, which turned out to be common to all living mammals. Right? So they have not isolated anything from a particular germ. Have not done so. And uh, having not isolated it, how can they use it for experiments? How can they even claim that the PCR test has identified it? They can't. It's all fraud, folks. And to our knowledge, no one on the planet has ever purified the alleged virus even from a cell culture. In their responses, numerous institutions have made it explicitly clear that isolation slash purification is simply never done in virology. Well, it's supposed to be done. It used to be done. But now that they've got everybody hooked on uh, on Dr. Casey, <laughs> oh, that, that, guy, that guy wearing a white smock, with a mirror on his head and and all, all this medical equipment he's surrounded by, because well, all that medical equipment must have some purpose, right? No, it's to make money. That's the purpose of all that medical equipment, and that isolation in virology means the exact opposite of what it means in everyday English. This is also evidenced in every virus isolation paper we have ever seen for any so-called virus. So, Canadian public health officials have no record of SARS-CoV-2 isolation slash purification performed anywhere ever. All these freedom of information uh, filings have proved one thing, that no government agency has ever found proof of any isolation by any lab anywhere. Their typical response to these freedom of information requests is, we do not have the information you request. Okay? Well, at least they're being honest. But the scam continues. Note, Sebastian Gramond, a man who acts as federal court judge here in Canada, has concocted a bogus confirmation that SARS-CoV-2 virus is real, based on zero valid science and despite knowing that all the 138 institutions listed in my affidavit had failed to cite even one example of the alleged virus having been purified from any patient sample on the planet. Why waste time on science or logic when you can simply accept the Attorney General of Canada's invitation to take judicial notice of the virus, that the virus is real? Okay, so some judge says it's real, therefore you must obey. Is this the world court run by the Rothschilds? Sounds like it to me, folks. The author continues, sounds perfectly legit. Quote, noticing widespread beliefs is so much better than reviewing the pertinent facts. Quote, where allegations are contrary to judicially noticed facts, because judicial notice is conclusive. Really? Judicial notice is conclusive? Such allegations, therefore, are manifestly incapable of being proven, unquote. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Please share these documents far and wide. As of July 22, 200 institutions and offices in over 30 countries have responded thus far, as well as some, quote-unquote, 
SARS-CoV-2 isolation study authors, and none have provided or cited any record describing actual SARS-CoV-2 isolation purification or the sequence. That's the important thing. What is the genetic code of the so-called pathogen? I mean, that should be published far and wide because then any scientific lab can take, can get a sample of that and perform experiments upon it. By the way, which is all that the PCR technique, because it's not a test. The PCR technique was invented by Dr. Kerry Mullis, who got a, a Nobel Award in, a Prize in Medicine for his discovery, for his technique. And all that his technique does is it takes a sample of genetic material, a genome, a sequence, a genomic sequence, and reproduces it. The purpose of this technique is to provide a large sample for which experiments can be done upon the sequence. It is not a test of whether a person has gotten sick from the sequence because they have never isolated this particular sequence. So what his technique does is to create more of the same stuff so that labs can perform experiments on that stuff. It is not a diagnostic tool, according to the inventor of the technique. And yet, the average sheeple on planet Earth has no idea that he has made this statement, and it totally conflicts with the fraud that is being perpetrated in hospitals around the world and labs around the world who claim that it has been isolated. <laughs> Mr. Kim Smith says, since viruses don't have wings and they're not alive anyway, you can't kill something that's already dead, I guess it builds a little spaceship to travel around and float around and latch onto. Yeah, that's probably what they do. Uh, you know what? No, they require hypodermic needles <laughs> to get around, thanks to Big Pharma. So this is the kind of craziness that the world has been subjected to regarding COVID, folks. This is absolute insanity. It proves totally that the Book of Revelation 13, 17, that the Gates jab is the mark of the beast, because the Gates jab will prevent you from buying and selling without the mark. They haven't fully instituted it yet. They're trying. They're trying really hard to mandate vaccination everywhere. And, of course, Revelation 18.23 says, Mystery Babylon, the world empire of banksterism run by the Rothschilds, will use sorceries to deceive the world. Of course, that word sorceries is translated from pharmakia, and that's exactly what the international banksters are doing. They're using pharmakia to deceive the world. So let's continue. Okay, so there's an Excel file listing 203 institutions. And so I'll invite you to just go to this website. And uh, it lists here uh, a, a list shown below. It was current of, as of October 5th, 2021. Uh, nine labs in Australia. 
two in Brazil, one in Britain, only one in Britain, 13 British Isles, uh, a ton in Canada, lots in Canada, looks like 20 or 30, three in England, one in Europe, one in India, New Zealand, plenty in New Zealand, Scotland, how about America? Oh, oh, now we're getting it. Now United Kingdom, lots in the United Kingdom. Okay, United States of America, 94 through 110, so 16 labs in America, none of which have been able to isolate or show any evidence of an isolate, period. And yet the CDC and the World Health Organization, all the rest of these mad scientists, <laughs> Dr. Fauci being the number one mad scientist among them, who has a record of killing his patients with remdesivir and creating fake diseases and claiming to heal us thereby with remdesivir. Absolute total fraud. Absolute total fraud. They know they're trying to kill us, especially white people, because all these companies are owned by Jews who have created these these frauds and inject their poisons into us because they know we are Israel and they want to exterminate Israel. That's the agenda. That's the real agenda, folks. So let's go into another document. This is uh, highly revealing. So I encourage everybody to go to that website. And let's go to the next article. Virus isolation. Statement on virus isolation by Dr. Andrew Kaufman. And even though he's Jewish, he does tell the truth about this, folks. You know, we have Benjamin Friedman who told the truth about Zionism and the fact that Jesus was not a Jew, <laughs> right? He was a Judahite and an Israelite. There are Jews around the world who are remonstrant Jews, and that is they remonstrate against their own religion and their own people because they can see through the BS. There are Jews who occasionally tell the truth, okay? And Andrew Kaufman is one of them. Statement on virus isolation, and I'll share this. I put this in the chat room already earlier, but it's important so everybody doesn't have to search around to find it. I'll put it in the, put the link in the chat room again. Here it is, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, and here is what he has to say. Isolation. The action, oh, this is the Oxford English Dictionary definition. It's not exactly a scientific definition. The action of isolation, uh, isolating, the fact or condition of being isolated or standing alone, separation from other things or persons, solitariness. Oh, that's what we uh, Israelites are supposed to do. This people is to dwell alone says the Bible. We are supposed to separate ourselves from the rest of humanity. Okay? It's called segregation, folks. How can you isolate something without segregating it? The controversy over whether the SARS-CoV-2 virus has ever been isolated or purified continues. 
However, using the above definition, common sense, no, 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 no. You're not supposed to use common sense. You're supposed to use faulty logic. He continues, using common sense, the laws of logic, and the dictates of science, any unbiased person must come to the conclusion that the SARS-CoV-2 virus has never been isolated or purified. As a result, no confirmation of the virus's existence can be found. The logical, common sense, and scientific consequences of this fact are as follows. Bullet points follow. Four of them. One, the structure and composition of something not shown to exist can't be known. <laughs> of course not, <laughs> right? <laughs> What's it made of? Who knows? It's never been isolated. Including the presence, structure, and function of any hypothetical spike or other proteins. It's all hypothetical, folks. Plus, it's all done by computer simulation, not by actual physical experimentation. Bullet point number two. The genetic sequence of something that has never been found can't be known. Of course it can't, right? If you can't, if you've never found it, how can you experiment on it? Three, variants of something that hasn't been shown to exist can't be known. Yes, very logical. Stop using logic, Dr. Kaufman. That's not, that's not scientific anymore. Bullet point number four, it's impossible to demonstrate that SARS-CoV-2 causes a disease called COVID-19. Yeah, because they haven't isolated the pathogen. In as concise terms as possible, here's the proper way to isolate, characterize, and demonstrate a new virus. He uses the word virus, and I will just replace it with the word pathogen. First, one takes samples like blood, sputum, secretions, and other of that nasty stuff from many people, for example, 500, with symptoms which are unique and specific enough to characterize another. Yeah, we we all have the sniffles. We all have the sniffles. Is that unique and specific to a particular disease? No, it's common to hundreds of diseases. So it has to be more specific than that. How about tuberculosis? Tuberculosis has very specific symptoms, including fluid on the lungs, which is very rare. So, so in that case, you take a bunch of people that have fluid on the lungs and to see if they have the, the correct bacilli or pathogens that are causing this disease. And if you can't do that, if you can't find the same bacilli or whatever it's causes, caused by, in these people, in these 500 people, then you really still haven't identified the true cause of the disease. It has to be that particular pathogen, which is what he's saying here, and which has never been done with COVID. By the way, the flu has always been characterized as a syndrome, never caused by a specific pathogen. It's just a bunch of symptoms that people share around Christmas time, right? From all the garbage junk food they eat from Halloween to New Year's Day. And they all get the very similar symptoms, you know, runny nose, coughing, sneezing, wheezing, uh, fever, which is common to all people 
who are trying to get rid of the toxins in their body from all the garbage food they've been eating. See, this is how specific it really is, which means it's not specific at all. But here, it's very important that you have to have very specific symptoms and a specific pathogen that causes these symptoms. If you do not do this, you have no idea what the actual cause of this the syndrome is. Remember the fever of unknown origin? <laughs> that's, that's the terminology that used to be used regarding flu because it was a syndrome, not a disease caused by a specific pathogen. All of a sudden, around the year 2000, these pseudoscientists have stated, no, flu is not some disorganized syndrome. It has a specific cause, and that specific cause is SARS-CoV-2. So the language regarding flu changed from a fever of unknown origin to have been caused by a specific pathogen. How did this change come about? Well, they simply made it up. Let's continue. Without mixing these samples with any tissue or products that also contain genetic material, the virologist macerates, filters, and ultracentrifuges, i.e. purifies the specimen. So they can't add any junk to it. They simply take what, what you get out of that sick person and try to isolate whatever the substance is you think is causing the disease. This common virology technique, done for decades to isolate bacteriophages and so-called giant viruses in everyday vi- every virology lab, then allows the virologist to demonstrate with electron microscopy thousands of identically sized and shaped particles. These particles are the isolated and purified viruses and and the technique invented by Dr. Kerry Mullis takes this sample and multiplies the sample so that, that hundreds and or thousands of experiments can be performed on the sample. The Mullis technique is simply a technique to increase the volume of such samples. It has no diagnostic relevance whatsoever. Continuing, next paragraph. These identical particles are then checked for uniformity by physical and or microscopic techniques. Once the purity is determined, the particles may be further characterized. This would include examining the structure, morphology, and chemical composition of the particles. Namely, they're trying to describe the pathogen as thoroughly and as scientifically as possible. This is true science, folks. But none of this has ever been done with COVID. Next, their genetic makeup. Now, this is crucial. Their genetic makeup. Their genetic sequence has to be identified. Otherwise, you have nothing specific. Their genetic makeup is characterized by extracting the genetic material directly from the purified particles and using genetic sequencing techniques such as Sanger sequencing, that have also been around for decades. Then one does an analysis to confirm that these uniform particles are exogenous outside in origin as a virus or 
pathogen is conceptualized to be and has to be something that is not normally found in healthy human beings, although it could be. Its existence would be extremely rare in that body if the person has not come down with whatever disease it's supposed to cause. But the fact is, our bodies are filled with millions of pathogens that are not making us sick. Why? Because our immune system is attacking these things and getting rid of them. The only time we get sick is when our immune system is unable to deal with the sheer volume of such pathogens. And most of, most of the time, they're nothing but toxins. So this is, what I'm describing here is standard biology, standard medical practice. And what Dr. Kaufman, of course, is talking about is supposed to be standard medical practice and knowledge. But COVID has thrown all that out the window and the, the, the catheters and, and bottles are being smashed on the ground and are all being mixed together and swept up and the dirt on the ground is swept up and this is what they call an isolate. This is literally, this, <laughs> I was going to say cosmic soup, this chemical soup is what they claim is an isolate. Can you believe it, folks? Well, yeah, we can believe it because that's how the Jews operate. We know this, but very few people outside of identity know that this is how the Jews operate. Anyway, so as of May 2020, we know that virologists have no way to determine whether the particles they're seeing are viruses or just normal breakdown products of dead and dying tissues. Very good. And I have argued repeatedly here at Eurofolk Radio that these are, in fact, exosomes. What are exosomes? Those are byproducts of normal biological processes within our bodies. Some of these exosomes are excretions from normal cells getting rid of toxins within the cell. And then those exosomes float around in your body and are supposed to be destroyed by your immune system. But if you got so much of this material floating around and your immune system can't deal with, that is when you get sick. The word virus comes from the Latin and it means toxin. It does not mean a little bugger floating around in your bloodstream. That's not what the word Virus meant to begin with. It simply meant toxin, and it's toxicity that actually causes our diseases. Let's continue. If we have come this far, and most labs have never gone this far, <laughs> right? The Starship Enterprise is not in deep space. It's actually orbiting around the planet trying to figure out what to do. If we have come this far, then we have fully isolated, characterized, and genetically sequenced an exogenous virus particle or pathogen. However, we still have to show it is causally related to a disease. This is carried out by exposing a group of healthy subjects. Animals are usually used, but in this case, the experiment is us, and there's no control group to this isolated, purified virus in the manner in which the disease is thought to be transmitted. Yeah, by sneezing on somebody. They have never shown any such thing. 
If the animals get sick with the same disease, as confirmed by clinical and autopsy findings, one has now shown that the virus actually causes a disease. This demonstrates infectivity and transmission of an infectious agent. Now, they claim to have isolated such germs in other diseases, such as tuberculosis. And I disagree with those in our community, you know, the anti-big pharma community. Some of them say that germs don't cause disease at all. In my opinion, they do. Because how do you isolate the germ that causes tuberculosis? Those people that have tuberculosis have this pathogen in common. What actually happens is the germ proliferates in your body and it ejects by eating your your energy source, namely your sugar and other sources of energy intended for your body's cells. But these germs eat that stuff, depriving us of our nutrition and excrete toxins. It's the toxins that these germs excrete that cause the disease called tuberculosis. So the, the germs are merely intermediaries. They don't attack your body cells at all, which is what medical science tells you happens. No, that's not happening at all. And I confirmed this analysis because there's a disease called, oh, what do they call it, uh, where it attacks your body, the megalovirus, right? Megalovirus, flesh-eating megalovirus, right? Flesh-eating disease. So from that description, you would think that this pathogen actually attacks your healthy cells and starts eating them up. So I looked at these up, and the, the, the description was, well, this is a misleading term. That's not actually what happens. What actually happens is that These pathogens eat the nutrients that are intended for your body and excrete toxins, and it's these toxins that dissolve healthy cells. Okay? So again, it's toxicity. All disease is caused by toxicity, not by germs attacking and devouring your healthy cells. That just doesn't happen, folks. Now maybe parasites, like if you got a tapeworm, or some other parasite, because parasites are much bigger entities and can actually gobble you up from the inside out. But even these parasites, for the most part, simply rob us of our nutritional material and excrete toxins. And this robbery, which gives us fatigue because we have no energy since those nutrients aren't getting to your cells, and then they excrete toxins, which make us sick, This is why your body creates a fever to destroy these invaders and to get rid of the toxins. Let's continue. None of these steps has even been attempted with SARS-CoV-2 virus pathogen, nor have all these steps been successfully performed for any so-called pathogenic period. Our research indicates that a single study showing these steps does not exist in the medical literature. 
And Dr. Cowan, who's a chiropractor, has done the same research, and he has come to the same conclusion. There is no such description in the medical literature. So how is it possible that medical science, so-called, can be operating on something that doesn't exist in the literature? Well, because it's fraud. Instead, since 1954, virologists have taken unpurified samples from a relatively few people, often less than 10, with a similar disease. They then minimally process this sample and inoculate this unpurified sample onto tissue culture containing a usually four to six other types of material, all of which contain identical genetic material as to what is called a so-called virus. And here he uses the word in quotes. The tissue culture is starved and poisoned. This is exactly what Pasteur did, (laughs) because he could not prove that his inoculation technique was making anybody sick, so he had to add more poisons to his inoculation to get the result he wanted. The tissue culture is starved and poisoned and naturally disintegrates into many types of particles, some of which contain genetic material. Against all common sense, logic, use of the English language, and scientific integrity, this process is called virus isolation. Well, they've isolated a bunch of stuff. And they'll call all this bunch of stuff a virus. This brew containing fragments of genetic material from many sources is then subjected to genetic analysis, which then creates on a computer simulation process the alleged sequence of the alleged virus, a so-called in silico genome. In silico means computer generated. At no time is an actual virus confirmed by electron microscopy. At no time is a genome extracted or sequenced from an actual virus. This is scientific fraud. The observation that the unpurified specimen inoculated onto tissue culture along with toxic antibiotics, bovine fetal tissue, amniotic fluid, and other tissues, including uh, processed hamburger from McDonald's, destroys the kidney tissue onto which it is inoculated is given as evidence of the virus's existence and pathogenicity. This is scientific fraud. In other words, it's this genetic soup that has all kinds of material added to it besides the so-called pathogen that they're trying to isolate. They have never even used a, 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 clean, a clean sample. It's all dirty, just like dirty electricity causes diseases. They have never isolated it, is is the actual fact. From now on, when anyone gives you a paper that suggests the SARS-CoV-2 virus has been isolated, please check the methods section. If the researchers used Vero cells, V-E-R-O, or any other cultural media or method, you know that their process was not isolation. You will hear the following excuses for why the actual isolation isn't done. One, there were not enough virus particles found in samples from patients to analyze. Well, then what the hell is the PCR technique for? 
Why don't you use the PCR technique for what its intended result is supposed to be? Namely, to increase the multitude of the pathogen that you want to study. But no, they don't use it for that. They use it to pretend that an actual PCR test has been performed. Number two, viruses are intracellular parasites. They can't be found outside the cell in this manner. Okay, so he's saying they actually exist inside the cell. Well, they exist in both. You know, we have parasites in our guts, in our bloodstream, in our brains, right? In our snot. They're everywhere. But they don't cause disease until they proliferate over healthy cells and to the point where our immune system can't get rid of them. And here, a process happens when our macrophages, those white blood cells that destroy enemy invading tissue, are overwhelmed by the enemy invading tissue, then we get really sick. That's when we have a specific disease or a general syndrome like flu. Continuing. Finally, Questioning these virologies' techniques and conclusions is not some distraction or divisive issue. It shouldn't be divisive. Shining the light on this truth is essential to stop this terrible fraud that humanity is confronting. Didn't, didn't Second Thessalonians chapter 2 say that the world would be overcome by a delusion? <laughs> Here we are. Here's the delusion, folks. For as we now know, if the virus has never been isolated... Sequenced or shown to cause illness, if the virus is imaginary, which it is, then why are we wearing masks, social distancing, and putting the whole world into prison? That's because the Rothschilds want it that way. Finally, if pathogenic viruses don't exist, then what is going into these injectable devices erroneously called vaccines, and what is their purpose? This scientific question is the most urgent and relevant one of our time. Amen. We are correct. The SARS-CoV-2 virus does not exist. Statement by Sally Fallon Morell, M.A., Thomas Cowan, M.D. Oh, no, I thought he was a chiropractor. It says here M.D. He's a medical doctor. Dr. Thomas Cowan, M.D., and Dr. Andrew Kaufman, M.D. This document goes to prove that there, in fact, are a few honest medical doctors in the world, okay? Not too many, but there are a few. This is the state of medicine today, folks, and it's a sad state of affairs. All right, so this is the reality of the situation. Okay, we have one more article for today's discussion, and... Okay, so we had the Freedom of Information Act, and uh, (laughs) who had their finger on the magic of life, Antoine Bichamp or Louis Pasteur? I guess the word Pasteur is French for fraud. So I'm going to copy this and put this in the chat room as well, so people can avail themselves of this information. Here it is. Who was the real scientist? Bechamp or 
Louis Pasteur. Okay, Antoine Bichamp is spelled B E capital C H A M P. And most people are unfamiliar with Bichamp because Louis Pasteur was promoted by the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, right? Read, read and share the following article and learn the truth that will set you free. I hope it does. But you have to read it in order to understand it. Dr. Robert O. Young's breakthrough research validates Dr. Antoine Bichamp's research that germs do not cause disease of any kind but are the symptoms of a cellular breakdown. I defer from this analysis in the fact that these germs create toxins. And these toxins create a very seriously bad chemical environment in your blood, in your lymphatic tissue, in your interstitial tissue, and it's these toxins that cause the disease, not the germs themselves. But nevertheless, the germs are indirectly responsible. So let's continue. Let's see how they analyze this. Learn the true cause of all sickness and disease. Save yourself and your loved ones from the tyranny of so-called modern medicine. Was Antoine Bichamp the greatest scientist of the 19th century or Louis Pasteur? You decide after reading the following article. Louis Pasteur was a French chemist and microbiologist born in Dole. He is best known for his so-called remarkable breakthroughs in the causes and prevention of disease. His experiments supported the germ theory of disease. In essence, Pasteur taught that Disease came from outside the body in the form of bacteria. For Pasteur, to fight illness is to treat the symptoms with a vaccination. Right, and we know that doesn't work because it just increases the toxicity. This approach has shaped modern medicine and pharmacology. The dark side of Louis Pasteur. And there's an extremely dark side. The two most celebrated achievements in Pasteur's career are, one his bold public demonstration of a vaccine against anthrax in sheep at Pouilly-le-Fort in 1881. And there is a statue outside the the fort (laughs) uh, showing him inoculating a sheep. And two, the first known application of his rabies vaccine to a human subject, young Joseph Meister, in July in 1885. So he had to pick a German victim. He couldn't have find a, found a French victim. In the first case, Pasteur deliberately deceived the public and the scientific community about the nature of the vaccine used in the experiments at Pauli Le Fort. In the second case, the nature of Pasteur's deception is less clear-cut. But here, too, I find some striking discrepancies between the public and private versions of the famous famous story of Joseph Meister. By 1885, five years after starting work on rabies, Pasteur and his colleagues had developed a live viral preparation which, Pasteur claimed, not only protected dogs from rabies infections, but prevented the disease from becoming symptomatic if it administered post-exposure. So, in other words, even after you got the disease and have been diagnosed with the disease, we're talking about rabies here, that his inoculation will cure the disease. 
I don't think so, folks. How can injecting more toxicity into your body make the disease less toxic? I'm sorry, folks, I have to be logical. Still, it was not without reluctance or concern from his peers that he agreed to administer a series of viral injections to the asymptomatic young Meister. Quote, this will be another bad night for your father, unquote, wrote Pasteur's wife Marie to their children during the treatment. He cannot come to terms with the idea of applying a measure of last resort to this child, unquote. Whatever that means, but this is, this is his family speaking, not a scientist. But it seemed to work. Meister didn't develop rabies. And after starting treatment of another boy that October, Pasteur declared the vaccine a success before the French National Academy of Medicine. The story became international news. Even patients from America were soon shipped over to Europe to receive the miracle cure. Pasteur's secretive attitude further fueled his opponents. His papers were only three or four pages long. Hell, bills before Congress are thousands of pages long. There were no details and no way you could reproduce to prove the efficacy of the vaccine. Now, people who have gotten rabies, fortunately, I'm not one of them, have stated the, there are really it's a really horrible, horrible disease. You don't want to get it. And it's usually gotten from people who've been bit by rabid dogs and other rabid animals. So clearly, some kind of toxin or pathogen is being injected through the saliva and through the blood that, you know, from the wound that your number one uh, defense of your immune system, namely your skin and blood, they're supposed to form a scab over the wound, doesn't do. So it starts circulating in blood, in your blood, whether it's a toxin or a pathogen, whatever the cause, that's when people get rabies. Nearly a century later, in the 1970s, Pasteur's laboratory notes, in the possession of his heirs until then, were made public. They revealed startling discrepancies between Pasteur's research and his claims. Although he had tested a vaccine on dogs, the concoction administered to Meister was made using different methods, essentially untested in animals. Its seeming success was the result of an educated guess. Oh, just like COVID-19, or 19, and proved just like today that there are no scientific evidence or experiments that show that you can cure disease with disease or vaccinations. This would qualify as a definition of insanity and reveals the dark, sinister side of Louis Pasteur and the vaccine fraud that has been going on for over 130 years. And I cannot disagree with that statement. For over a century now, the focus in health and medicine has been almost 100% targeting on treating symptoms rather than prevention and the treatment for underlying causes. With this mindset, millions of people will happily smoke, overeat, drink alcohol, not eat sugar, (laughs) not exercise, 
get flu and COVID vaccine shots, and lead an utterly acidic and destructive lifestyle in the knowledge or the hope that there is probably a fairy tale drug or a vaccine out there that if anything goes wrong, that drug will cure it. And it shows a picture of a guy with a big belly getting ready to consume a hamburger and french fries <laughs> with either a root beer or some European concoction called beer or ale. Anyway, here is some hard evidence of the real problem. Do germs cause disease? Few people know that on his deathbed, Pasteur recanted and said Beauchamp was right. Who is Antoine Beauchamp? Pierre-Jacques-Antoine Beauchamp was a French medical doctor, biologist, contemporary of Louis Pasteur. He believed that a completely healthy internal fluid environment would be immune to harmful bacteria and that only when the body became a welcome host for this bacteria, i.e. when our cells become weak from an acidic lifestyle or toxic internal fluid environment, Disease is born in us and from us. Well, again, the problem I have with this statement is that people who get rabies are typically bitten by a rabid dog or other animal. So this means that they did not have this toxin or germ in their bodies until they were bitten. Yet they come down with the disease after being bitten. So this description is not adequate. What I think is really going on is that, but I agree 100%, that if our immune system is weak due to the fact that we're drinking too much beer, <laughs> by the way, American beer is toxic. They don't have the Reinheitsgebot that they do in Germany, which means the purity, the purity test that German beer has. And they put all kinds of chemicals in American beer, which cause it to be toxic. And if you drink American beer, especially the cheaper brands, it will hurt your throat. Because why? Because it's toxic. And it's killing the, the cells in your throat. Whereas German beer never does this. So you want to, if you drink beer, drink real beer, <laughs> German beer, not American beer. Although I hear that uh, some some breweries, uh, especially in Mexico, reproduce the German Reinheitsgebot process of making beer, and their Mexican beer is even better than American beer. But uh, let's let's go on here. We do not catch sickness or disease. We do sickness and disease with how we live, where we live, what we eat, what we drink, what we breathe, what we think, what we feel, and what we believe. Now, let's go back to London in medieval times when London was coming, becoming a huge metropolis. The fact is that human waste and urine was running down the gutters of the streets the real cause of the diseases there was the lack of sanitation. Clean water was hard to get. That's why people drank beer, because the fermentation process of beer kills a lot of microbes. 
So beer and wine, from this standpoint, are safe alternatives to drinking contaminated water. And the same is true in America, in colonial America. Like big cities like Philadelphia and New York City, it was hard to get clean water in those places. So that's when hard cider was invented because the alcohol of the fermentation process killed the germs. This is why Mexicans eat hot stuff because the capsaicin of cayenne pepper also kills germs. That's why they don't get Montezuma's revenge. Only American tourists get Montezuma's revenge. But the fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, that those American tourists did not have Montezuma's revenge until they ate Mexican food in Mexico. So some sort of pathogen was introduced into their bodies to cause the disease. Right? You don't get the disease without these pathogens being introduced into your body. Now, whether they directly attack your healthy cells or whether these pathogens create a toxic environment in your body. So, these American tourists were healthy before they went to Mexico, and they still got sick. So, something is being introduced into your body that is causing you to get sick. And they had healthy environments before they went to Mexico, internal environments, I'm saying, before they went to Mexico. So, there's something missing in their analysis here, but let's continue. Some people are offended with the statement and the contextual or internal environmental theory because it shifts responsibility to the person who is tired, sick, obese, or cancerous rather than using one's self-inflicted diseases as an excuse to shift the blame to a non-existent phantom germ or virus like HIV, Ebola, hantavirus, Zika virus, SARS-CoV-2, SARS-CoV-19, polio, influenza, or even now the invisible, non-isolated, so-called coronavirus, etc., for their pain and suffering. Okay, well, again, here we have polio. Let's talk about polio. The fact is that the polio disease was already and had been already eradicated in America, because I remember growing up in the city of Chicago when my schoolmates were getting polio, We were going to Lake Michigan, North Avenue Beach, to go swimming in very filthy, polluted water. But when they cleaned up Lake Michigan, the incidence of polio decreased. So there was something in the water, either a pathogen or simply the toxicity of the water, that was attacking our healthy cells, if you happen to ingest it or you know, go down your nose. You know, if you're swimming, you often breathe in the dirty water. You're getting it into your lungs, no less, that will cause a disease. Now, whether it's a germ, some form of pathogen, or simply the toxin themselves. In my opinion, these germs do get into your body and excrete toxic chemicals. And at these excretions are what cause the disease. So I'm not, I'm not in sync with these guys who say that germ theory is totally 100% not, not uh, part of the problem. No, these pathogens do cause disease, but they don't cause disease by eating your innards, <laughs> as is standard co- chemical or biological analysis 
That's their argument. I don't agree with that at all. It's not that these pathogens eat you up from the inside. What they do is they steal your your nutrients. And that's, that gives you fatigue. And then they excrete toxic chemicals into your bloodstream. And that's what makes you sick. It's the toxicity that is the cause of the disease. Anyway, let's continue with the article. Bottom line is most, if not all, sicknesses and diseases are the consequence of personal choices that leads us to over the over-acidification of the interstitial fluids of the interstitium organ, the largest organ of the body. And I would have to agree with that. That uh, it's the poisoning of our bodily fluids that is the true cause of disease. Whether or not there is a antigen, or I'm sorry, a pathogen involved or not. It doesn't have to be a pathogen involved. It just could be your eating habits. Like the guy who who was eating at McDonald's, <laughs> right? For a month, he became very ill, <laughs> right? No, no, no explanation necessary. If you eat at McDonald's for a month and not, not eat any healthy food at all in the interim, you will get sick. The article continues. The interstitial fluids surround every cell that makes up every gland, organ, and tissue of the human and animal body. The interstitial fluids are the dumping ground for acidic, metabolic, dietary, respiratory waste of the intracellular and intravascular fluids. They're also the, the fluid that delivers nutrients to the healthy cells. It is the primary purpose of the interstitium organ to remove these acidic wastes out through the lymphatic system. Well, that's not true. <laughs> Again, I have to disagree with these people. The primary purpose, there are two primary purposes of the interstitium. One is to deliver nutrients to the cells from the capillaries of your blood. And then the secondary purpose is to remove the waste. So it has two primary purposes, but the number one primary purpose is to deliver nutrients to your organs and healthy cells. That's what the interstitium does. And then secondarily, to remove the waste after your mitochondria have taken energy from your food. So it has these two purposes, but if you're not getting energy from your blood (laughs) and interstitium, you're not going to have any waste, right? You're just going to starve to death. So the primary purpose of the interstitium is to deliver nutrients to your healthy cells. Continuing, if this does not happen on a daily basis, toxins can build up causing decompensated acidosis. Never heard that term, decompensated acidosis of the interstitial fluids of the interstitium and lead to the genesis of all sickness and disease. You know, I have to agree that that is the primary cause of disease is toxicity of your blood, interstitium, all sorts of bodily fluids. And your body is trying to get rid of all of this acidosis. It doesn't, whether it's acidic or not, doesn't matter. It's toxic. Your body, when you overload your body with toxins, then you become sick, period. Although the bacteriophages 
or filterable bacteria renamed in the 60s as the virus. Yeah, they just gave it a new name. Bacteria, yeast, and mold from the outside world can only contribute to a state of imbalance within the body fluids, but can never cause any specific disease. Well, but how well, we do have specific diseases. We do have tuberculosis. We do have cholera, etc. But I agree 100% that most of the time, you will not get the disease if you have a healthy immune system and if you don't have toxicity to begin with. But if your body has become toxic by eating at McDonald's, right, and breathing the dirty, toxic, polluted air and drinking the dirty, toxic water, then you are way more likely to get sick. Your immune system will be overwhelmed. So your immune system does attack these pathogens, whether they be mere toxins or whether they be invading organisms. Antoine Bechamp taught that disease is born from inside the body fluids and then inside the body cells. For Bechamp, you do not fight illness. You create a healthy alkaline internal fluid environment in which disease symptoms cannot develop by the breakdown of healthy blood and body cells into bacteria, yeast and mold and their associated chemical acidic waste. You know, so if you got candida, which is a yeast infection, and typically people get yeast infections from antibiotics, it's an iatrogenic disease, a disease which is caused by your doctor dispensing antibiotics to you, you won't get candidiasis without this intervention by your doctor. It's very rare. You could be living in a moldy environment and get your body overwhelmed that way. But nevertheless, the mold is a pathogen. And that mold, if your body is overwhelmed by mold and yeast, then you will get candidiasis. But the most common cause of candidiasis is having a round of antibiotics given to you by a doctor. That's the primary cause of candidiasis, right? So, yeah, there's a, oh, yeah, and I agree, Brother Aber, polio may also uh, be caused by the vax. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is that the incidence of polio was declining even before the introduction of the, of the polio vaccine. And after the vaccine was given out, then we had an upspike of polio yet again, which proved that the vax caused the disease. It did not prevent anything. All right. Again, okay, and Brother Abraham says activated charcoal can kill mold in the body. That's a good thing. Again, we have, we have natural. The Bible says if you obey my food laws, you will never get sick. And Yahweh also tells us that every herb under the sun that he has given us can be used for healing the body. We don't need big pharma. We don't need Jew doctors or Talmudists to tell us what to believe and how to live. Okay? The Bible tells us what to believe and how to live. But so few people adhere to biblical law that it's pathetic. Really pathetic. Okay, and... uh, Franz Pretorius says, yeah, well, movies, uh, television have created this 
mindset in people that Dr. Marcus Welby or Ben Casey are kind of like demigods, demigods walking around the halls of hospitals, curing us of diseases that the the hospitals and petrochemicals actually give us, right? And that the industrial food processing industry is giving us, uh, such as the aluminum byproduct waste that uh, they put into our dental floss and into our toothpaste, right? This is what's really going on. The industry is making us sick, and then they claim to have the answer for that sickness. No, folks. They're killing us slowly with their song. Oh, yeah, and Freebird says DDT. Yeah, I th- that's another potential cause for polio because they were spraying DDT onto the streets of American cities with children playing on those streets. So the DDT was being sprayed right on those children. So folks, they're poisoning us and then they claim to heal us with even more poison. That's the reality. And to that extent, I agree that Beauchamp, definitely, no, no doubt, Beauchamp is correct and Pasteur is wrong. No doubt about that. But uh, they overlook the fact that pathogens, once in your bloodstream, consuming your food, excrete all kinds of toxic poisons. And it's these poisons that cause us to get sick. So there is a relationship between germs and disease. You can't discount that at all. But that's what these anti-germ theory people seem to be saying. But let's continue. The biological changes that take place in cells living in an environment with a declining pH is called decompensation acidosis of the intravascular, interstitial, and intracellular fluids. This biological transformation or change of one cell to another is known as biological transformation or pleomorphism and can be validated through PCR testing of the DNA when isolated and purified following Koch or Rivers postulates okay so there's a there's a a video here that i invite you to watch anyway the author says germ theory is a fraud unfortunately medicine became a big business and antoine de champs or beauchamps theory was conveniently ignored and forgotten in fact pharmaceutical companies all over the world give thanks to pasteur every single day (laughs) thank you god i mean pasteur thank you pasteur especially now with all the fake retroviruses which have never been isolated or shown their existence using the scientific methods of Farr's Law, Koch's or Rivers' principles. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's all fraud. The corona effect is created when the internal fluid environment is not in an alkaline state or pH of 7.365 in the vascular fluids and 8.4 pH in the interstitial fluids and the cell membrane begins to degenerate, giving birth to vesicles and other appendages that can break loose from the cell, becoming the bacteriophages or bacteria or the vesicles of spiked protein that current medical science refers to as infection. Yeah, and I would agree, the vast, what they call viruses and what they call pathogens, for the most part, are in fact the result of our poor diets, the result of ingesting poisons, and 
negatively affecting our healthy cells. And this negative environment allows germs to flourish, thus creating even more toxins, okay? All right, so it's, it's been shown conclusively that these pathogens excrete toxic su- substances such as ammonia, okay? So if you're new, near somebody who smells like ammonia, <laughs> that guy is toxic. He's eating all the wrong foods. He's ingesting all the wrong stuff. Uh, breathing all the wrong air, etc., etc. Okay? But these germs contribute to that toxic environment, therefore help causing your disease. Let's continue. This ideology is inaccurate for all bacteriophages, exosomes, bacteria, yeast, and mold, which are born out of unhealthy and damaged body or blood cells and are the symptoms of decompensated acidosis of the interstitial fluids of the interstitium, that surrounds every cell, organ, gland, tissue of the human animal body, human and animal body. And that is basically correct. It's the acid environment or toxic environment of your blood, interstitium, and other bodily fluids that causes disease, causes disease. And they say, this is not the work of a non-existent so-called germ or virus, certainly non-existent virus, but the work of systemic radiation poisoning from over 100,000 plus satellites and billions of cells stationed in trees, on a lamppost, or a cell tower, sending corona energy, which is highly radioactive, directly to your cell phone, or to your computer, or to your home, or to an entire city, which is what I've been dealing with, as my listeners know very well because I'm surrounded by computers, and I'm dealing with it, folks. I'm dealing with it, and uh, activated charcoal is a really good way to treat this. Because why? Because it, it removes toxins from your body. And whatever you can do to detoxify is the number one thing you can do to regain your health. And so what's the number two thing you can do is stop ingesting toxins, right? Well, let me reverse that order. Number one, stop ingesting toxins into your body by not eating processed carbohydrates, anything that comes in a box. Read the labels of any canned goods you buy, and if there's anything that remotely sounds like a toxin, don't buy that canned good. Stop buying those uh, frozen dinners. They're full of toxins and preservatives, etc., etc., So, why is America sick? America is the sickest country on the face of the earth. Because we eat all this garbage food provided to us by Big Pharma and the industrial food processing industry. Folks, we are sick because of what we eat and ingest into our bodies. So, yeah, and and 5G is just going to make it worse. Welcome to a new era of another very deadly contributor to the cause of sickness, disease, and a suffocating death. Yeah, we're drowning from the inside when our lungs fill with fluid. And so here they go into the adverse health risks of wireless radiation on the human biofield. And uh, check out the interview of Robert Robert O. Young, etc., etc. A lot more charts. Uh, Looks like really good stuff, actually. 
So several years ago, 1999, I traveled to the University of Paris School of Medicine, Paris, France, to uncover the work of Antoine Bachamp and Louis Pasteur. It was nothing short of a miracle when I was allowed to go into the University of Paris Medical Library and find the archives of 27 published works of Antoine Bachamp. At my request, they brought me two books that I found earth-shattering and confirming my own pleomorphic research of 40 years of looking under an optical compound microscope using bright field, phase contrast, and dark field objectives and condensers. So it looks like this guy has done actually actual microscopy, <laughs> unlike the medical profession, which no longer does real microscopy, but just uses computer, computer models, period. The first leather-bound book was called The Blood, The Third Anatomical Element, and the second leather-bound book was called Les Macrosimons. Okay, so microsomes, you know, uh, the phenomenon of pleomorphism. And this would involve uh, Reif's telescope because he proved, because his telescope was just as powerful as any electron microscope but did not kill the object under observation. His telescope, uh, sorry, telescope, microscope, allows observation of living organisms. So you can find out the different life stages they go through. Pleomorphism. This is why I refer to infections as outfections or transfections of inoculate because all filterable bacteria, so-called viruses, all bacteria, all yeast, all mold, etc., etc., somehow get into our bodies. Okay? So you know, I, I, I'm in essential agreement with the, this idea that the vast majority of disease is caused by toxicity. Period. It's caused by toxicity. But the question is, how do these toxins get into our bodies? For the most part, we ingest them by what we eat and breathe. But there are also other agents introducing toxins into our body. And so, in my opinion, germs help assist in this process immensely. And that's how we get tuberculosis and other diseases for which we, our immune system is not prepared. So, all right, folks, I'm going to end today's show. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition, and be healthy. Stop being sick. Stop allowing the Jews to make you sick. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Yahweh bless everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Be-